0: Hello, my name is Larry Dobrow, I'm and executive editor, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the mm and podcast. We have a terrific pair of guests here today. We have David Betts, who's a principal in Deloitte Consulting's life sciences and healthcare practice, and we have Chris Zant, who's customer and marketing leader for life sciences and healthcare, as well as chief digital officer of Converge Health by Deloitte. Um, we'll get to them in a minute, but as usual, we have a plug or two to uh, to share with you. Um, the important one is that MMM's 1st ever media summit is scheduled for Thursday, November 12th. There's going to be a range of panels. We're going to be hitting everything on the influence of the tech giants, the Facebooks and Googles of the world. We're going to be talking a little bit about programmatic. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about the point of care space. It should be a very interesting and vibrant day, and it's the first time we're doing it, so it should be uh, should be a little bit of an adventure as well. For more information, please check all of our social media channels and our website. So now let me formally introduce David and Chris. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Thank you, Larry. Nice to uh, nice to be here. Happy to join you and uh, looking forward to the conversation. And, and I am as well, Larry. Thanks for having us.
0: So yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting. Ordinarily, you know, we dive right in with some kind of a general question, but given what we're all living through over the last uh, eight, nine months, I guess my first question for both of you guys is, how are you? um how has the Deloitte team managed to uh, deal with the set of circumstances that have been thrown at us and um uh, how are you guys doing personally?
1: Well, thanks for asking i'm uh, I'm <laughs> podcasting with you from my attic in Pennsylvania, where I've spent the last seven months. Um, I guess one of the benefits of consulting is that you know we often have had to figure out how to work from wherever we happen to be, so Converting that from client space and offices to home and, and, and attic hasn't turned out to be as difficult as it may have been for many others. But uh, the family is good here. This is Chris, by the way. The family is good. We haven't haven't caused any harm to each other. And I'm happily broadcasting away from the attic and working uh, working quite effectively.
0: Ah, to, that, to that end, uh, my podcast studio is my son's bedroom. So uh, I'm very much broadcasting from an eight-year-old's room right now as the best audio in the house. <laughs> uh, David how about you
2: yeah Larry uh, the uh, you know I'm here in, in Pittsburgh and uh, you know it's it's fortunate I think that uh, you know we, we built a house a few years ago with a with a great office I never imagined that I would be spending as much time as I have in it um, as one who spends typically four to five days a week on the road the last seven months have been a really interesting I'm, I'm learning how to you know make the commute from the third floor to the first and um, work with my four-legged uh, business analysts on a daily basis who oftentimes <laughs> participate in our, in our conference calls and meetings but uh, hopefully we won't actually have a visit from her during this uh, conversation but you know everybody's healthy here we're you know hunkered down my wife's on the faculty at uh, Carnegie Mellon and so the second floor of our house is the university and the first floor is the consulting room and I the third floor is basically the break room so it's all worked out okay <laughs>
0: That is exquisitely well organized. Uh, you know, I wish we had the same degree of uh, separation here. Instead it's kinda, you know, chaos and people, you know, you know, you say about your commute down to the office. Uh, you know, my commute is essentially up and down stairs and it's it's maddening. But, you know, we'll all get back when we get back, I suppose. Um, first question I have for both of you guys is a little bit about the increasing prominence of health at Deloitte. Um, I think maybe seven or eight years ago. Deloitte was certainly a company that did health well, but I don't know if it was as prominent among the pharma world, you know, especially the marketing side as it is now. Tell me a little bit about the evolution of Deloitte's health offering. Do you consider it now a core offering?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We see it as a really interesting uh, category to, uh, you know, grow the business. I think given everything that's been going on in the space, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of reason to be excited about it. You know, I think for you know for many years on the consulting side of the business, life sciences and healthcare has been a significant part of uh, you know our overall uh, uh, services and uh, offerings. And the the Heat acquisition a number of years ago allowed us to extend you know that offering into uh, life sciences and healthcare in a significant way, and and really allow us to bring together the best of what we do in in strategy uh in technology and human capital uh together with um you know the advertising marketing and commerce capabilities that that have been growing tremendously you know if you think about healthcare the you know we're, we're at this really interesting inflection point i think accelerated in fact by the pandemic that uh we're seeing a shift of the business on that traditional healthcare side from a business to business model to really a direct to consumer model and uh, the role that advertising, marketing, and commerce can play in the context of uh, that pivot is really exciting. And I think, uh, you know, we at, at Deloitte believe that we're incredibly well positioned to take advantage of um, that pivot and to really help our clients, you know, make that shift in a significant way.
1: Something else worth noting is we we also... Um, the industry has been critical for us. We've been focused on it for quite some time. I think what's really changed is our ability to bring the experience components from other industries and from our acquisitions, like David said, and and pivot it towards a new and differentiated journey through healthcare for, for patients and physicians and other stakeholders. I think that's really the, the transformation we've made over the past couple of years is bringing those consumer and retail and other industry capabilities and saying, you know what, healthcare cares about this too. People care about their journey, their experience, their navigation through healthcare. And we need to we need to think about how to apply those advertising and marketing and other tools to that type of journey.
0: To that end, Chris, tell me a little bit about Converge Health and how that kind of fits into the overall Deloitte infrastructure.
1: Yeah, sure, Larry. It's a it's another sort of interesting part of our business model that we've brought to bear. Uh, Similar to our Deloitte Digital Acquisition and our move into marketing about six or seven years ago or eight years ago, we've done the same with Converge. That's our asset business, um, products, accelerators, and solutions where we can apply technology differently um, to healthcare and life sciences journeys. So the the name Converge Health um, is about the convergence of data and technologies and solutions to help change those journeys and, and help our clients in healthcare and life sciences navigate through, you know, a world of complicated medical journeys, a world of large data sets and, and difficult types of research and development challenges. And it, it really is the mechanism by which we bring our clients reusable assets so that every client doesn't have to go through the same journey every time and, and you know, build their own tools to navigate those types of journeys.
0: The evolution of the health offering, what you just mentioned, in terms of some of the learnings from other industries, whether consumer or retail, um, in terms of Converge Health, what, what were some of the key milestones along the way? Um, what were some of the paths not followed, whether they're good ones, bad ones, or otherwise?
1: Interesting question. So I think we've, we've had a couple key milestones. The, the origin of the Converge Health business was around uh, R&D, and uh, real-world evidence and unique and and large data sets and using those data sets and and creating ways to apply them in different use cases. So sort of, if you look at the journey as a staged journey, our our first couple years were focused on advancing those use cases, right? How can we take real-world evidence, apply it in different ways and enable our clients to do unique and differentiated things with them? Um, That space, evolved quite quickly and and we were able to participate quite effectively there. I think the next big choice we made, and it goes back to what we started with at the beginning, was this perspective that there's also an experience here, right? How can we think about the experiences in healthcare and life sciences and transform them? So three or four years ago, we chose to pivot some of our new investment to areas of patient experience, patient engagement, clinical trial participation, and take those data sets and find ways to enhance them, right? To bring new data elements in, uh, create opportunities to engage with patients and other people in the ecosystem in different ways, and bring new sources of data back into that back end and create, you know, more robust, more um, interesting, for lack of a better word, data sets with which we could work. But while doing so, thinking about how do we truly transform experiences. Um, paths not taken there's always there's always places you could go you wish you went um but i I think we've focused we've focused very aggressively on those two things the data and the experience so you know there are opportunities where we choose to partner so i I would say instead of something we missed i'd say it's approaches we've taken so you know we're not for example going to be the next telemedicine vendor but all of those experience conversations lead us to how might we use telemedicine differently and help our clients do that. And those are places where we look for partners, partnerships, relationships to, to, to fill the, the ecosystem.
2: And Larry, I'll just build on that a little bit. I I think, you know, when we think about experience, what's really interesting right now with respect to more traditional healthcare is this shift into the virtual delivery model for many health systems and our ability to bring our assets to bear in the context of enabling, you know, remote care delivery in some respects, or, or really just remote engagement uh, with a patient. Uh, we've got a solution uh, called MyPath for Connected Care, which actually allows a health system to stay connected to some of their sickest patients as they're experiencing that journey when they're at home. And that's a a capability that's increasingly important as we see the convergence again of the traditional payer and provider space where payers are taking more risk for the outcomes, you know, enabling that patient to be successful when they leave the hospital and transition into a new lifestyle for perhaps if they've got, you know, a diagnosis of a, of a new chronic disease um, really uh, positions us, I think to partner with our clients in many respects or team with them, to get the outcomes that they're searching for, uh, and increase the value of their of their delivery assets and their um, and reduce their risk at the same time. So it, it's a path that I think is is um, positioning us well to work together with the uh, with the healthcare ecosystem to create really a, a much more
0: patient centric, consumer centric model of care. Um, that model that you referenced here, David, um, in in the context of offerings that Deloitte has done, you know, I think it's data, you know, it's always been so far ahead, you know, as much as many of the agencies and some of the uh, larger marketing networks kind of say that they're data experts, you know, obviously they're in a very different place <laughs> than, where, uh, than where Deloitte is. Um, do, do you feel that consultancies like Deloitte have started to assume some of the tasks that agencies used to handle exclusively, um, you know, not just the data and some of the bigger pieces, but also maybe some of the smaller ones. Um, And if so, um, tell me a little about when that began.
1: I think I'd say it slightly differently, Larry. Um, While it's absolutely correct that we, over the past seven or eight years, have chosen to take a focus on some of the functions that that agencies have traditionally supported. And we certainly believe that Deloitte Digital is a great partner for our clients from a, a pure agency perspective. I do think some of the the choices we've made have also been to broaden the lens on what it means to bring agency capabilities. So to your point around data, you know, we have some of the best data scientists in the world. We have access to some of the greatest data sets. We work with partners that, that create an ecosystem and we can get to the data that, that needs to be used. I think the secret sauce is a little bit about how we bring it in, work with our clients and use it in different ways to change patient journeys, HCP journeys, to navigate that experience So um, very happy to go head to head and compete for a traditional agency scope of work. But I also think when we really think about it, and when we think about how Deloitte and Deloitte Digital and Converge Health can help our clients, we think about how do we bring the whole ecosystem, our data scientists, our experts in real world evidence, our team members that know advertising and marketing just as well uh, as the bespoke agencies do but can put all those things together. And when we do that, I think we get to a different place. Um, we, we had a, a great team doing work with the Hughes University of Pennsylvania on a study called Step Up, for example, where we took data and did behavior modification research with a research institution, and used that to apply to experience and to change humans' journeys through wellness, in that case. Um, and I think that's where it really,
0: really shines for us. In terms of what, what you mentioned just then, Chris, um, what was there sort of a, sort of a change in the types of conversations that you had with clients? Um, have these conversations evolved over the last, I don't know, four or five years, um, as a result of what, some of the things that you just talked about?
2: Yeah, they, they, they really have, uh, Larry, I think, you know, I reflect back on, uh, a, uh, a conversation we had with a client around, um, brand strategy. So helping a client really think through their positioning and platform in the marketplace. And as I mentioned, sort of that pivot from a, more of a B2B model to a direct to consumer model in many respects. And, you know, what the client said to us as we took them through our thinking with respect to how to make that pivot and and what kind of a platform they could potentially build uh, was that, you know, our insight based on, You know, the years that we've spent in the industry helping clients strategically, operationally, technologically, the data sets that we had available, our ability to really actually unlock insight about consumer behavior with tools um, such as our values compass, which really allows us to understand what motivates um, consumers uh, across various industries, but in, in this case, within their healthcare journeys, uh, to really a- be able to map that up against their, their brand promise and create something really unique was far and away very uh, differentiated from any of the other agencies that they had been speaking with. And, uh, and I think allowed us to really um, you know, excel with that client in launching what I think, in, in, frankly, in the middle of a pandemic was really spot on. With their their uh, values, uh, their vision for what they wanted to accomplish, and the mission of the organization, and uh, landed I think with the community in a really positive way. And uh, and it was all it all started with you know the deep insight that we were able to derive from um, from our data sets about what consumers really um, you know what really matters to consumers in their healthcare journey, and in particular this 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 particular audience. And to get really insightful, um, you know, I- input into that brand uh, proposition that I don't think uh, anyone else could bring, just given the the scale and depth of our data sets and our capabilities, it was a it was a fun journey.
0: Um, could you share um, maybe another? And again, I realize there are you know sensitivities in terms of what you can reveal or what you can't reveal. Can you share uh, maybe another example of how you know Deloitte uncovered something? from whether it's for a brand, whether it's for, you know, a larger, you know, company internal process that, you know, maybe some other organization wouldn't have caught, you know, maybe, uh, maybe something that's sort of exclusive to Deloitte set of uh, capabilities. Sure. I'll give it, I'll
2: give a brief example. Maybe Chris, you can build on this, but I was just recently in a conversation with a client and, and one of the things that, that we brought to bear was research that we had done out of our Deloitte Center for Health Solutions. Uh, you know, we do a biannual consumer survey uh, where, and we've been doing it since uh, about two thousand eight. Um, and that longitudinal data set around consumer behavior and health uh, really allowed us to to bring to bear uh, an understanding of how consumers' expectations about their healthcare have have changed over the many years. And then, together again with our values compass, to be able to say. You know and here's the specific insight that's going to matter to you uh in the context of this uh uh this brand strategy that you're undertaking uh today uh uh, was something that even the client said was unique to uh, the conversations that they were having with others chris i don't know if you want to build on that uh with an with another example
1: yeah sure Uh, larry let me give you a a different perspective sort of from the life sciences side so that um, mypath experience platform that that David mentioned. We've been working with a number of clients to create um, new approaches around let's call it human experience, where patients can move from a support program around a particular therapy or disease state. Um, and then, because we're able to pick up new and different types of data along the way because that platform is an experiential platform it's in their hands it's connected to other devices it's potentially bringing a broader data set um, we've been able to apply that with our clients to take a patient from a in-market product for a disease state and move them into a clinical opportunity um, help navigate the selection of participants for clinical trials for example so if you think about the availability of data, the ecosystem of devices, you know, the internet of things, um, and how you treat those experiences, you can start to create linkages that allow for a smoother journey through healthcare, even if it's for a very difficult condition, right? Even if you're moving from a cancer diagnosis to an in-market therapy to maybe a clinical trial that might be your last hope, we can at least make that experience one in which you can actively participate and where you can take a journey that you know, helps you find the right opportunities, helps you participate in your care. And we do that by mining the data, creating a broader set of data to look at and 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 helping navigate an experience journey using that data set.
0: Um, I'd like to turn to the uh, kind of the current state of affairs um, in the uh, COVID era that we have right now. Um, how, how has Deloitte's role, you know, vis-a-vis clients, vis-a-vis some relationships changed this year? Um, you know, certainly there's the kind of the mechanical piece of it in terms of everybody doing everything from afar uh, you know David not being on the road as much as he mentioned earlier but um, how about the you know the, the the support that you provide how is it different in October of 2020 than it was in January 2020 yeah probably a couple
1: interesting conversation pieces there we um, you know as a firm and as everybody did in, in March or February March April whatever it was we we're, we're looking for opportunities both to keep our workforce engaged and and make the transition to a virtual model, but also to help our clients with that. Um, The firm launched a broad set of initiatives, branded Reboot, um, to help folks come out of the immediate lockdown and move back to business models that would be different, right? Fewer folks in the office, maybe uh, more robust telecommuting and different capabilities. Um, But David and I also participated directly as we looked at that journey, right? How do we get people back in appropriate ways into the office, we realized we were starting to create almost healthcare journeys within the employer-employee relationship. Um, so that, again, my path framework, um, we applied to that use case in the MyPath to Work example to help our clients think about new questions for employees that would begin to create a healthcare conversation, right? You're not used to your employer asking you, are you healthy enough to come to work today? Have you had a fever? You know, Do you feel well? And those questions can be very personal, right? They're not, I don't know if I want my boss asking me if I feel okay today, right? That starts to move into a, a different conversation than we've typically had. But because of our healthcare and life sciences journey experiences and because of the, the consulting capabilities we have around those very sensitive personal journeys, we were able to help guide some of our clients to, reopen workplaces to contemplate new work models, you know, shared shared job models, reduced work time in, in, in common spaces, more distributed working models, but also help them protect their employees in ways they really hadn't contemplated or prepared for. I mean, none of us had, right? We just didn't really worry about it that much. If someone was sick, they didn't come to work, or maybe they did, and maybe we just all stayed away from them. I mean, now the sniffles in the office and nobody's gonna wanna be on the same floor as you, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: David, how about your perspective on the same question? Um, you know, ha, what what are some of the you know services? What's some of the support beyond what Chris has already discussed on um, that clients need now that you know they didn't uh, you know a good couple months ago?
2: Yeah, so you know, as as you probably gathered, I spend most of my time on the traditional healthcare side of our life sciences and healthcare business, focused predominantly with uh, our payer and provider uh, system clients and um you know i would say that one of the uh you know one of the capabilities that is um coming much more to bear in that space is our ability to deploy um you know what we call foundry like services to our clients in the context of you know product development and really new product launch and digital development and mobile app development, as we've seen our clients make this pivot to a much more virtual, both workplace and delivery model, um, you know, they they haven't had the the capacity, uh, in many cases, the capability to do their own development uh, in the back office. And trying to staff up or find that talent in the context of a pandemic is, is incredibly challenging. And so, you know, we have uh, 50,000 you know, professionals in um, you know uh, around the world in our digital studios and development uh, shops, and our ability to deploy those resources, you know, very quickly and get speed to value for our clients, and helping them either you know tighten the bolts on solutions that they had in market that you know were significantly pressure tested in the context of the pandemic, or build new solutions is really an area that I, I I've seen tremendous uh, you know uptick in in Uh, in in growth and for us uh, to to really bring that capacity and those capabilities to bear quickly um, in a way that I think before the pandemic, you know, our clients were trying to build up their own capabilities and capacity, but it's a little bit harder in this current environment. And our ability to do that quickly has, uh, I think, paid off for our clients uh, significantly.
0: Um, here's a question and, you know, it goes to the, uh, you know, some of the things we're talking about in the client relationships. Do you, do you find that amid the pandemic, clients are more eager to innovate or are they more eager to kind of sit back and say, all right, you know, right now, let's just take care of the things that are on the most basic level that, uh, that we have, uh, David, you're raising your hand for this one. <laughs> what, what, what's your, what? I mean, are, are, is that appetite for innovation still there or has it been curbed a little bit by the by the events of the last nine months or so uh
2: i, I would answer the question in, in a couple of ways you know we serve a lot of the various subsectors right so um and in geographies and so the way that the pandemic has played out here in the u.s is has not been um you know equally distributed uh, over time over the last seven months and so what we've seen is, uh, you know, uh, ebbs and flows uh, of different needs emerge. And um, I would say, in the first few months, uh, subsequent to March, you know, between March and May, there was a lot of emphasis on, uh, you know, maybe less innovation and more, uh, you know, operational sustainability. Um, I would say, subsequent to May, we've seen an uptick in, in many markets around. Uh, the innovation, uh, like I said, some of the product development and solution development capabilities that, that we just talked about, uh, really looking at innovating new new products and services and solutions that can better meet the needs of consumers today. Um, that, you know, a, a, and that's layered on top of other uh, areas of the business where we are doing some basic blocking and tackling because, uh, you know, the, the pandemic has hit very hard. Uh, the impact has been different for plans as it has been for the provider side of the business. And I'm sure Chris can talk more about the life sciences side of the, uh, uh, of the ledger, but, uh, you know, this is not a one size fits all pandemic, if you will. And it's not a one size fits all solution either. And so that's, that's kept us on our toes, I would say over the last seven, eight months.
0: Yeah, Chris, I'd love to hear you address the life sciences side of it.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, our clients in life sciences, I, I think it, um, it was very interesting the response what we found is um very much like some of the other manufacturing type sectors the the employees that need to be in the office r&d manufacturing We're already in a physical space that was quite safe, right? Our, the nature of the business, the things we're manufacturing require protective equipment and safe spaces and laboratories that are enclosed and vented and things like that. So there wasn't a lot of difficulty keeping those functions running as long as people were able to, you know, be healthy when they got to work. Um, So monitoring and and maybe some surveying and CDC questionnaires and whatnot. We found that the rest of the business um, virtualized fairly well, people were able to operate from home. But then we had obvious challenges in you know in the space we're most interested in, sales and marketing. How do we convert to a virtual world when you know physicians are obviously scrambling with public health concerns and COVID and we're not going to make regular office visits. We're certainly not going to be welcomed into the hospital environment in in a, in a case of pandemic. And some of those capabilities are our clients quickly look to innovate. Um, some of them, uh, and given some of the relief the government provided around things like HIPAA and stuff, they were able to use some tools like Zoom and, and things we'd be using now that that they weren't able to use before. So I think what we saw was a a rapid move to a virtual environment, rapid application of technologies that were readily available where appropriate, and now we're seeing a lot of thinking around what will the long-term transformations be, right? I I, I would argue the the sales and marketing components of life sciences will change quite dramatically, but we're only starting to contemplate exactly how those changes will play out.
2: You know, Larry, one thing I might add here is we're, you know, we are entering and in in many cases amid the, uh, the annual enrollment process uh, for uh, most health plans. And um, you know, the, this represents an interesting and unique challenge for, I would say, the, the Medicare Advantage space in particular of the market where a lot of that business is done traditionally through, you know, face to face retail interactions. And so um, this is an area that is has um, is, is been really interesting to watch emerge is how you um, how do you pivot to a virtual sales model for a market that um, that in some cases is more technologically challenged than others. Anyone who, you know, maybe back in April helped their, you know, aging parent install, uh, you know, a, a virtual conferencing solution on their laptop by phone, uh, you know, recognizes that that struggle can be real. Um, and so, um, you know, as we've, uh, as we've worked with our clients through this period, you know, we've, We've had to get really creative, as have our clients, with how they engage with that particular uh, consumer group and helping those individuals make the choices they need to be making with respect to next year's coverage Um, uh, and the age-in process if if
1: folks are moving into Medicare for the first time. The the key consideration there is as we move across both the sectors, there will be new models we need to bring to bear Mm -hmm. And the uh, the patients, the participants, the plan members are going to need to to use new tools and capabilities uh, to to get enrolled, to get support, to reach into the care network and get care provided to them. Um, and getting through those challenges and understanding how to communicate to that group, how to share those tools and technologies is going to be a challenge that'll that'll last with us through this enrollment period through next year, probably until. A new normal settles in.
0: All right, and to that end, just one final question for you guys. Um, you know, I think it's unfair to ask about the future, given that the future is changing every couple of hours. But um, what you know, what what's next? Some of the issues that we've talked about. How how do you expect? Uh, how do you expect the services that are needed from Deloitte to evolve over the next six months, over the nine mo- next nine months? Um, I think everybody's kind of done with predicting. You know what the new normal, you know, quote unquote normal is going to look like. But um, how are you kind of gearing up for the immediate uh, the immediate future?
2: Yeah, Larry. So over the last two years, I've had the the privilege to work with our teams on a point of view uh, about about the future of health. Now uh, we you know back in 2018, 2019, we published a paper called Forces of Change: The Future of Health, where we outlined what we thought was um, this future in which the re- the consumer was really in the center uh, of of the action, if you will, that uh, enabled by you know radically interoperable data, that the interactions with their healthcare um, and their and their well being would be dramatically different. And we set that future in 2040. Um, and and here we are now in you know the tail end of 2020, um, and much of what we articulated in that future has been dramatically accelerated the fact that we as consumers can can and in in many respects now must own our own journeys and engage in the system in ways that we choose when we choose how we choose uh is really forcing the transformation on the industry that that we anticipated would take place over the coming 20 years so uh so we're you know, both excited and a little bit daunted by the opportunities. But what does that mean for both us and our clients? You know, it means for our clients really a focus on I think three things. Uh, first, you know, really freeing and, and and liquefying, if you will, the data that they have available about uh, consumer behavior and the interactions that they have. And uh, this means that we're seeing this rapid intensification and focus on movement to the cloud and. Creating more interoperability, and and that's also being driven in large part by the the coming regulations for 2021. Uh, secondly, you know this focus on the consumer. So a lot of our healthcare clients have traditionally, you know, viewed the consumer, you know, as as a a key customer, but uh, not necessarily have them really truly in the center of their interactions. And so what we see is this intensification of this you know, consumerization of health and the movement to a direct-to-consumer model and the virtualization of of the experience being a big accelerator of that. And so it has intensified their focus on on consumer experience and marketing and customer strategy and engagement as a vehicle to, uh, to drive their businesses forward. And then the third thing, maybe a bit more traditionally oriented on the healthcare side, is really thinking about how do we get you know, much closer to that consumer with our services. So not just virtual, but deep into the community through retail outlets and partnerships in the ecosystem to really bring care delivery in and near the homes of those consumers. Because, you know, we recognize that, you know, gone are the days I think where somebody's going to sit for 40 minutes in the, in traffic to go to a, a physician's office to sit in a waiting room with people who are sick to see their physician for five minutes to pay for parking and then to do it all over again uh, when we recognize that the future is here and we can do that all virtually without leaving, uh, you know, the comfort of our own home. So I, I think that is accelerating that future that we outlined uh, while we still think there's a lot of uh, a lot of transformation to take place over the coming 20 years. Those three things in
1: particular, I think are, are here now and are here to stay. I'd add Chris, just how about one, on your side? Oops, sorry, Larry. I'd add one or two other points as well. I think there's, um excellent opportunity to capitalize on the innovation that's happening in in treatment approaches paradigms how the how the technologies are coming together so i think if you if you take those things david's talking about and then add to that more n of one personalized care right things like cell and gene therapies car t therapies where it's personalized medicine and if we think about understanding a journey from, from a wellness perspective as well. How do we keep you well instead of fixing you after you get sick? Um, the technologies are there, the tools are there. To David's point now, the the participating ecosystem of players is starting to think about these things. You, you can truly imagine a future not too far away where you share your dirt data very early in a journey, possibly before you even have any disease. And we've got the ability to look at that data Monitor your experience, identify the points at which um, interrupting a disease journey earlier could create a much better outcome. And then we have new therapies that bring us the ability to treat that specifically for you at your point in time when it's essential and can be potentially curative. Um, we really change where we all go from a healthcare perspective.
0: You know, what I'd like to do, I'd like to check back in with you guys in six, nine months when we're, at least in theory, somewhat closer to the. Uh to the end of this thing, but um, many, many thanks for your time here today and for fighting through the te- the technology challenges that come with uh, orchestrating this from afar and you know with a lousy signal in my eight-year-old's room. Chris, um, David, hope to do it again soon. Many thanks.
1: Thanks, Larry. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Larry. It was a,
0: a great conversation. Look forward to staying in touch. And for the mm podcast, this is Larry dobro Many thanks for listening, and we will catch you again next week. Be well mm